0: We don't really understand what the impact has been of mm-hmm. shutting down so many young women cycles and like what that does to their brain, their personality, the way that they can or cannot connect with their body, the way that, I mean, just on so many levels, I like get emotional thinking about it.
1: You're listening to the Well Woman Podcast. I'm your host, Gemma Lee, women's mental cycle educator, natural fertility coach, and daytime mermaid. This is a place where we discuss all things periods, poo, ovulation, fertility, and sex. Join me weekly as we rediscover our menstrual cycles, unlock its superpowers, and guide you back into your cyclical nature. Welcome back to the Well Woman podcast. You're tuning into episode 239 today, and this is episode eight of our menstruation series. A series where we're talking real stories about menstruation, menstrual experiences and life as a menstruator. Today on the show, we are joined by the beautiful Stephanie Adler. And I'm so grateful that Stephanie's come back. She's been a guest on our show before. And Stephanie is a certified nutrition consultant, women's hormone and fertility expert, birth doula and wellness coach. Her practice focuses on supporting those with their cycling bodies in balancing hormones, healing their guts and all things baby making. Not to mention, Steph has Just been baby making and baby birthing, and she's joining us in her postpartum period. And so, there's some really beautiful insights around the rites of passage of women as we move through different cycle transitions, how that is received in the community around us. So we go on really deep conversations around this. Steph has a fantastic share about her first Menarch experience and how her mom celebrated that with her, something I've never heard of before and loved hearing this experience and what that meant for her and her family, as well as her education around the use of tampons, how she got into using hormonal contraception and then transitioning off hormonal contraception and what her experiences were like after that, right through to her favorite products to use during menstruation and how she supports herself when she is menstruating. Stephanie, welcome back to the Well Woman podcast. Hi, I am so happy to be back. I love having you on the show, and I'm so honored that you're here during your postpartum period to talk about menstruation and real menstrual stories. So thank you for being here. Now, because you are post baby with baby, I think is a great way to say it too. Is how are you checking in? So normally we ask what day of your cycle are you on. How are you checking in? It's obviously you're cycling at the moon, and how are you checking in at the moment? Like how how is life
0: as a mama? Life as a mama is a lot of fun. It's also super humbling. And, you know, like just when I feel like we're in a really good groove, something comes and is like you, and I actually, it's interesting. I had a really good friend over like maybe a month postpartum and she was asking me how, you know, things were going. And I was like, honestly, it hasn't been that hard. And I feel like since then God was like, you don't think this is hard? Like, let me give you some stuff. So now every time I feel like we're in a groove, we've got a little something going on, but mostly like it's been lovely and really special and spiritual and beautiful and uh transformative and I feel like the way that I've been checking in is really different than I h- historically had checked in. Like I journaled for the first time today in since mid-June, you know? Like which is like, that would have been like a really normal way for me to check in historically. So it's really like in these little moments, like catching glimmers in my life and just like having that really ground me and allow me to check in. Yeah.
1: Mm, I love that. Well, thank you for sharing. Cause it just goes to show that if you get too stuck on a habit, you don't actually create the space to allow the habit to evolve either. So I love that. That's really cool. So we're going to talk about menstruation today and I'm so looking forward to hearing your experiences, but let's dive back far, far away to your first menstruation. Like what was that experience like for you? Do you like, do you remember it? Like what rough age bracket were you in? If you, if you know your age, where were you, what did it feel like? What was the, your first menstrual menarch experience like?
0: Yeah, it's interesting because I, as someone who works in the menstrual space, like I've thought about this a lot that I, I would think that I would remember it better. But what I actually remember is a lot of things around it. Like I don't remember the actual period, but I remember like writing in a journal you know, in the months leading up to it, being like, I'm wondering where my period is. So is my mom, you know, so are my aunts. Like, we're all wondering when I'm going to get my period and like feeling like this huge anticipation for it. And then I also remember telling my mom that I got it and her slapping me. And I know that sounds like really weird, but apparently it's like a, like her mom slapped her and it's like a tradition, like in certain culture, whatever. Yep. Wow. I was, it was, it was like really upsetting. I was like, I got my period. She like turned around and slapped me in the face and was like, congratulations. And I was like, bah. and it's been something I've thought about a lot since of like how I'm going to welcome my, you know, assuming if I have ch- daughters like welcome in their period. But like, it's like, I remember a lot of things around it. I remember there being like one day, it must've been in the fall, I guess. Cause we had, or a winter cause we had a fire lit. And I remember being like, I need to tell my dad I got my period and like him sitting by the fire. You know, like that, like I remember a lot of things around it, but I don't Beautiful. actually remember anything about the actual bleed, which is so weird. <laughs> but it's actually it's not
1: weird because a lot of the times, like I'm sure you've worked with clients who are like, I can't remember when I got my first period. Like mom says it was roughly, or dad said it was roughly around this time. Is that I love to take like get people to go backwards in the timeline okay, cool. So let's say you're 25. Now let's go back to like, what were you doing three years ago? And then what were you doing three years before that? And then like, okay, what did you do a big trip? When was that? And that you go work backwards, but it's so beautiful that you remember all of the, the, the times around it, because that is a reflection of knowing what it was like for you, even though you don't have specific memory of the exact moment, you got so much great detail in that too you know, knowing what time of the year it was, knowing that your mom slapped you. I've never heard of this. Have you heard of this anywhere else either?
0: Well, I hadn't. And then kind of recently, and I've like said this to people before, and then kind of recently I said it in like a social group. And one of my closest friends, who was amazing that like, I had never talked to her about it before, looked at me and was like, my mom did that too. And I was like, what? And so I, I, it is a thing. I think I I'm like hesitant to say that it's a Jewish thing because that's yeah. what we kind of thought, like that it was a Jewish thing. Cause like both of us are Jewish and like where our parents got it from, but I don't actually know that for certain. So like, please don't quote me on that anyone, but yeah, it's weird. <laughs> it's, <laughs>
1: it's actually just interesting. And it just goes to show that different cultures, different religions have different experiences and processes and celebrate like celebrations. It's like Greeks getting married and smashing plates, like, you, you know, like we're like, really? Oh, really? <laughs> you want to waste 100 plates of, that are nice plates? But it's just, it's part of tradition, I guess. And I think I really want to start Googling and start exploring, like what does this represent and what is it about like waking up in this new version of yourself? Because like after you get slapped, regardless of whether it's in your face or on your ass or it's, it's a bit of a wake up, you know, it's a bit of a jolt. I wonder if it represents anything like that. So very interesting. And I'd love for you to ask your mom.
0: I have asked her about it. And she was just like, that's what my mom did. And I think that it's just like, like, I don't know if she has any deeper meaning behind it. Like it was literally just like, and then congratulations and like a lot of excitement, but it was like, and I've since asked her about it. And she was like, oh, well, that's just what my mom did. So
1: (laughs) and isn't that a great example of just, we learn, and grow up by watching others and through personal experience, and you would see this also in your client work that you've done in the past. That a lot of people can be really mad that they didn't learn anything about their period when they were, you know, began menstruating, and they didn't know. Oh, I'm 30 now, and I wish I had known this when I was 15 it's not your mother's fault or your father's fault, but they weren't taught either. And it's like the the generational passing down of the slap at, me, at men, <laughs> as we're talking about for you, it's the same with education. So what was your education like around that time? It sounds like your parents were very supportive and embracive of you, bec- you know, becoming a menstruator. Uh-huh. But what do you
0: remember anything around that either? I think I knew, and I don't know from where, but like I knew that that meant I could get pregnant technically you know again i like remember it not being like something that we like were hush hush about at all you know like i was like i like kind of excited to tell my dad and you know so it wasn't something to be like embarrassed about but i as far as like education goes i'm you know i i think it's funny i think about this now i think that it wasn't until camp that summer like the following summer yep. that i learned how to use a tampon because like six months after the fire <laughs> Yeah, assuming. Yeah, something like that. And I, because I remember like we were going to go swimming and I was like, I'm not going to go because I had a pad. And my counselor was like, use a tampon. And I was like, I don't know how. And my counselor taught me how to use a tampon. And it's so funny because like I thought about this, you know, now 15 plus more years later, like, you know, and how like nowadays that would be like so not kosher, right. For like a teenager who's like in charge of you. She was like 19 to like come into a bathroom with me and like help me insert a tampon. But like at the time, Like, yeah, she like really showed me, like she like basically put a tampon in for me and was like, this is how you do it. But I was so scared of using this tampon. And there was like no way that I was gonna be able to do it on my own. And she completely helped me get over that hump. And I was like, oh, no big deal. And then from then on, I could use a tampon, no problem. I didn't miss out on anything at camp that summer or anything ever again. And like, I'm so glad that she did that, but it's so funny thinking about like how different times are right. Like where you right. just don't think that someone would ever even put themselves in a position to help someone do that right now because of the, you know, cultural environment, but I'm so glad that she did. I mean, it was like this huge, scary thing that like was over in a second.
1: Yeah, Yeah. That's that's fascinating. I've shared on in this series about how I had to learn how to do that because of a swimming carnival and I was I, I was a swimmer back then and so it was for the school and I was freaking out and I yeah just like shoved the tampon up thinking, well, my mum only used tampons. She didn't use pads and I was like, oh, I better learn how to use this. And I was more paranoid about the fact that I didn't put it in properly and the blood was coming out whilst I was swimming in the pool different to like swimming in a lake where you might not really notice it you know i'm interrupting this episode to let you know that today is sponsored by my five-day love your cycle mini course a simplified self-paced course to teach you the foundations and fundamentals of your menstrual cycle in under a week receive daily educational class videos and audios along with action steps cycle tracking guides cycle prompts and my love your cycle 50 page ebook this is your chance to discover everything you wish you had have been taught at school about your cycle, how to eat, how to move, honoring your emotions, and identifying PMS and your cycle signs before they arise. It's now your turn to join over thousands of women from all over the world who have taken this course to reclaim and reconnect with their bodies. And you can do this in under a week for less than a fancy vegan burger. Use the code CycleLove to save 20% off at Wellsome.com forward slash shop. You've made a really great point about imagine if we had supporters who taught that physically and it, it it helps you reflect a little bit. Like we have pelvic floor, you know, physios and they insert fingers in women's vaginas. We have yoni massage therapists who also do the same womb, hara, like all of that. We do have practitioners who are familiar and they that's part of their practice, but I wonder if there's an opportunity for, you know, it'd be weird, I guess, for your mom to teach you how to do it. I think that might be weird for young teens, but if you had a supportive aunt or your mom's best friend who could, you might consider an aunt as well, or if there was someone who you could take to see, to like teach you physically how to do this stuff or watching someone else do it.
0: I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud. It's something I thought about so much, like even more so since having a baby where like how unexposed to breastfeeding. I was Mm. generally speaking, like, even though I have a lot of, you know, friends who've had babies and who all breastfed, I had like, I could count on the the one hand, how many people I'd been in really close contact with while they were breastfeeding and no one had ever showed me like, this is what I'm actually doing. Right. Mm. And you know, like many lactation consultants later and hundreds of dollars spent. (laughs) Like it's something that I think we've lost, right? Like when we aren't living in community and like living in villages and cultures. And I think that we can, when we apply the same, like thing around wisdom around anything, when it comes to being a woman, right. Wisdom around pregnancy, birth, breastfeeding, getting your period, menopause even, right. Like how can we help other women learn by osmosis, because I think we're, we're missing that really like connective piece. And I a hundred percent agree with you. Like, could we make a world where it's not weird for your like mom or aunt or older sister or whoever. And like, you're not sitting in a bathroom by yourself, scared, reading the insert being like, how the fuck do I, excuse me? I don't know if I want to say that, but like, how the hell do <laughs> I do fine. this? And yeah. it's that it like is something that just feels like a part of the rite of passage and like, we're all helping you with this. Yeah. I thought about it a lot. I don't have a great answer, but
1: no, this is a great, this is, this is a great conversation. And I think it, it's very interesting what you mentioned about breastfeeding because it's, it's kind of like a sub level of visuality compared to menstruation, because you can be breastfeeding in public. Some people might not like that. And some people might be like, yeah, sister, go for it. And so it's interesting, like I've seen reports about like women being told not to breastfeed on planes because their nipples are showing. I've been, you know, I know in a, the environment where I live, so the city that I live in, that, you know, women breastfeeding in supermarkets have been asked to leave or go to the parent, like the parental room, like the toilet room for the the parents to breastfeed in there. And it's just so weird that you all exist because of a womb and you were, you, you grew because of a nipple literally, <laughs> but, but we can't expose or share or show them. And I think what you mentioned about having friends who have breastfed, but never someone to be like, so you lift the nipple up like this and you've got to let the milk come down. And like, that's a really like being pregnant myself right now. That's a really important thing to know.
0: Oh yeah. And like, I wish I had, I wish I, if I could go back around the breastfeeding, like I could have, you know, when I'm sitting with a friend who's breastfeeding, like I could be like, can you show me what you're doing? Like, because I mean, it is a skill and like, it is something that like you have to learn. And, you know, I had this interesting experience just this weekend where, um, it was Rosh Hashanah, which is like the Jewish new year. And I went to like, somewhere I'd never been before where like they were hosting a bunch of people for like a big dinner and there was a service ahead of time. And the woman who was hosting it, she has eight kids. The oldest is 26 and the youngest just turned 11. And she, I asked her, you know, it was because it's like kind of a religious space. I'm like all for breastfeeding in public, but you know, it was kind of a religious space. I'd never been there before. I wanted to be respectful. And so I said to her, is there somewhere I can go to nurse the baby? And She brought her daughter, she called her 11 year old over, just turned 11. And she was like, can you show Stephanie somewhere? She can go nurse the baby. And I was thinking about it. I was like, I don't even know if at 11 years old, I would have known what that meant that like what it meant to nurse a baby, like, you know, and she like was like, I don't like you could be in here. If it's not private enough for you, I can bring you somewhere else. Like this little girl had so much like maturation about it. And I think it's because she has these older siblings who have young kids Right? Who have babies and she's around it. And I'm like, at 11 years old, you were around more breastfeeding than I had ever been in my life. And like, what a gift. So, yeah. And thinking about her too in this context of menstruation, like, I wonder what it's like if you have four older sisters who've all done it to like welcome you in that way. Right. And how do we create that even if you're not in a big family?
1: Mm, like, yes. I just want to say, yes. Like, how important and magical. And I think this is where, the the sisterhood circle and sitting in circle is really important. And, you know, you might not be sitting in circle around a fireplace anymore, but you can still sit in circle around the cafe table. You can still sit in circle around the dinner table at someone's house at potluck lunch or something like that. So that we still have opportunities for it, but we live like we could go on so many rants here, but we live in so, such isolation and so much distraction that we've lost that really great connection. And I think also COVID, the few years of COVID's experience has also created more of a divide there. But what a great gift to have other people who can educate and guide in that way who might not necessarily be your mother and from sitting in circle with a lot of marga women, so a lot of <clears throat> we'll say post-menopausal 60-year-old women Beautiful women that I've sat in circle with for for a long time and very deep circle work too, is that they're the educators for the teenagers, whilst the mothers are still going through their own menopausal journey. And I think there's this divide, like the generational divide between like, man, like I don't want to hang out with my grandma; she doesn't even get me, or she's, you know, like I never got that experience because both my grandmothers passed away, you know, earlier than my twenties, but. Yeah, it's just imagine, and just imagine, and what needs to happen to make that occur.
0: Totally, yeah, and it's an interesting thing. Like, I remember I had this talking about like funny period stories. I went to Mexico. I was supposed to get married in twenty twenty one, and it, we pushed it for a year because of restrictions in California. And so the the weekend that I was supposed to get married, we went to Mexico for a week. We were like, okay, let's just like go. And we, you know, stayed at this like all-inclusive resort. And I got my period. I think I was like finishing it like right as we got there, you know, and it was gone. And then we had sex and like went out to dinner that night at one of the places and it came back like while I was, you know, there and I like bled through my dress. It was like on the chair. It was like this whole kind of funny thing. Like I think in a previous or like another version of myself, I would have been like super embarrassed, but I was just like cracking up. And I posted about it on Instagram afterwards. And I was like, does anyone have this where like your period's over and then you have sex and then it like comes back. And it was like fascinating how many people were like, Oh my God, me. Like, and it like started this like really vibrant conversation about that. And so many people were like, Oh my God, I've never talked to anyone about this, but that happens to me all the time. And like, it was just so, I think healing and also an invitation that we can sit in circle, like around the world, right. By just like sharing experiences and being like, who else bled through their dress and onto the nice chair at the restaurant because they had sex before they went out for dinner and their period, they thought their period was over. And so I just like, think it's also really healing when we share our stories funny, not funny, you know, all in between and allow like other women to see us doing that.
1: Mm, So powerful, like really, really powerful. I've had a story like that too. And I've also been like, no, we can't have sex yet because I've just finished menstruating and we have to wait till tomorrow. And I don't know, like there's no sciencey reason why that would happen. But I really feel like if you're poking and prodding along enough in your, in your cervix, <laughs> just you know, things up a little bit. Yeah, yeah, that cervical plug might not be fully formed. You're just m- helping move things around a little bit. It's definitely possible, and I love that you share that in this in this series. So thank you so much. Let's go back to what you were say, sharing about your counsellor. Now, in Australia, we call a counsellor like a different thing to what you're talking about. Who you know, the counsellor, it's more like a therapist in Australia, but who taught you how to use a tampon. Oh no, but- so it
0: wasn't a therapist.
1: It's so I know like a- I, for your for your summer camp it was more like someone who guides and supports you right.
0: It's like the person who, like, if we're all like eleven years old and sleeping in a cabin, she's like the nineteen-year-old who sleeps in the cabin who's in charge of making sure we get to all of our activities. Yes, yeah, perfect. a yeah. Oh, weird.
1: Yeah, like. We we might call that a, a support leader or a team leader or something like that. I don't know. Anyway, just to kind of preface that for everybody else. So they're not like, oh, that's really weird. But tampons, that's how you learn how to use tampons. So you would have been quite young, at, like at, at that age bracket, still a teenager-ish. So moving into like becoming an adult... What have been your period products of choice and what was your menstrual experience like? Like, cause I know now you work in women's hormones and fertility and expert and doula and all that stuff was, did you have a personal menstrual experience that led you to wanting to learn about this particular area of women's health?
0: Yeah, I did. So I, I only had a few periods. I think I was probably like 11 when I got my period and mm-hmm. By the time I was into my 12th year, I went on hormonal birth control because I had had really painful periods, like calling my mom, you know, at school, like I'm throwing up, you need to come get me. And they took me to an OBGYN who was like, well, here's some birth control pills. And my aunt had had endometriosis and it caused a lot of fertility issues for her and you know with that family history they were kind of like it sounds like maybe you could have endometriosis you have had a couple irregular you know they t- it didn't come immediately once a month a couple irregular periods and they're painful this is like the solution and so we kind of didn't really think twice about it and when i got off of the pill almost 10 years later yeah 10 years later i was 22 i really was shocked by like post-birth control syndrome and, mm-hmm. you know, got my period back, but then didn't get it for like, you know, which now I know is like really normal for you to have like that first period and then not have it for several. Um, yeah. but I just was like obsessed because I so badly wanted to be a mom. And I was so nervous about, you know, needing support with that. And so I was like, I need to learn everything I can about this cycle. And that really started, my whole journey there. And also like now in hindsight, like makes me just so passionate about not only helping people who come to me when they're 30, right? But helping people when they're 12 so that they have the proper education to not need me when they're 30.
1: Mm, Hear you, sister. And I think think you really agree with this is that helping that generation of like 10 to 13 year olds right now, if we can help them become really educated about their bodies and their cycles. Imagine what the world is going to look like in terms of fertility and women's health and women's connections and women's circles and the vibrancy between each of us in 20 years time, you know, when they're in their thirties, it's going to be completely different. And I think that's the vision. Like that's the, I don't want to say hope because it's very possible. Like the probability could be quite high for this, But there's huge opportunity for us to completely within a generation or two rewrite the current experiences that women who are menstruating and experiencing challenges with their cycle or fertility, we can rewrite that. What are your thoughts on that?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that it would change the world. I really do. I think we don't really understand what the impact has been of Mm. shutting down. So many young women cycles and like what that does to their brain, their personality, the way that they can or cannot connect with their body, the way that I mean, just on so many levels, I like get emotional thinking about it. I think that if we can remove that barrier and allow for that connection, it's like the divine fen rising, right? What a softer world! What a more compassionate world! What like w- women who feel empowered in themselves, like come on, if we have a world full of them, like, I, I can't even imagine. I mean, I I can't imagine, but I can in like the energy of like what that can be.
1: Very, very powerful. Like that energetic yeah. force. So, so powerful. Even just sitting in a circle of like 10 women who, who, who are like that. Imagine like yeah. walking down the street and every woman being like that. Just like, yeah. just magical, really magical. I love this. Thank you. Now I know we're almost kind of out of time, but what are your favorite period products? Like, let's talk about you've like in that period of time being on hormonal contraception and then transitioning off hormonal contraception, learning about your cycle in this new age, getting into the industry. What products did you use whilst you're on hormonal contraception? For me, I was just like tampon done dusted. That was me for 12 years. But then when you transitioned and you started to learn more about your cycle, was there any product shifts that you made and why do you choose what you choose now?
0: Yeah. So I was similar, like always tampons. They just felt like the easiest thing at that time in my life. Always. I mean, maybe I also used like panty liners and pads. Like I remember I always had them. I don't know if I was like regularly using them. I think I would like use a panty liner, you know, towards the end of my cycle. Cause like a dry, pulling out a dry tampon, is just like the worst, right? Like even just thinking about it, it's it's like like sex without lube or like any kind of lubrication. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, so bad. So I feel like I was always like team panty liner. Once it was like I had a light tampon in that wasn't soaked. I was like, all right, panty liner. But in more recent years, I switched over to a menstrual cup. And I really loved using a menstrual cup because I loved being able to see how much I was bleeding. I loved being able to really look at like the consistency of the color. It really like helped me get in touch with my cycle. I played around with like trying to use my menses for like watering plants and stuff, but it never went well. Like I'm really impressed with the women who like do well with that. Like it killed the plants, I don't know. I think I just did something wrong. I didn't like dilute it or something. But but yeah, like was really team menstrual cup. I now post having a baby have to say that I feel like when my period comes back, I think I'm going to explore some like cotton pads, like that Mm. feels like reusable cotton pads that feels like it would be most friendly to my body right now. And I hope like one day to get back to where I want to like use a cup or a tampon, but like, I'm just not there yet. Like (laughs) I feel like that part of my body is like still very much. Like I did a closing of the bone ceremony and like I I am done with that pregnancy and like that birth and like, this is about me now, but that part of my body still doesn't feel, I think like ready for that, like kind of regular, um, like something in it all the time during those days. I I really feel like it wants external. So I think I'm going to look into some pads that are reusable because also the like cotton, the organic cotton disposable pads will always remind me of like the weeks after birth. And I'm like, not ready for that either. So (laughs) I need like a very specific thing. Yeah.
1: And using reusable cotton pads is really, really nice. And I think to being someone who's like a cup user or a tampon user, and this is for everybody listening. This isn't just for us in our conversation is that it's nice to experience what it feels like. And I can imagine after giving birth, like vaginal childbirth is that it's like, opening and nourished, and it's still a sacred space. And you are going to tune in even more to like what it feels like to be a menstruator. Cause you've got an even deeper body awareness that only comes through the process of motherhood, pregnancy and birth. Right.
0: I forgot that I went through a phase where I used the like, thinks is what we have in oh, the, the, the underwear. States. Yep. Period underwear, and I actually really did like that. But then there were some reports about them having like some not good stuff in them, like some mm. chemicals. And so I switched away from that. But I forgot that I did really like that, and I would love to find a chemical-free version of that. <laughs> now I don't, I don't. This is not a like I don't make money from this, but Salt
1: in America, and it's salt with two A's, S A A L T. Really great period underwear, and they don't have that same thing that. Think's mentioned that they have in theirs. So you can investigate. They're also a B Corp company. Little plug nice. for them. I they're my favorite period underwear that I wear and they're so so light and comfy. I've not worn Think's because you know, I buy salt from America. Like I buy salt from America <laughs> and it, like I, I get them shipped to Australia because of that. Whereas yeah, I don't think there's any specific brands that I'm aware of anyway, that are all hundred percent, you know, great for your body. But yeah, that's, that's a salt. They also do, they do cups and discs. That's how they started, but they have a disc cup cleaner, like a steamer for your cup. Cool. Really cool. Really. It's like not super big and you just plug it in you don't need to use a microwave. Cause I did receive someone, someone sent me one you had to use a microwave for it. I'm like, I haven't done a microwave in 15 years. Like, how am I going to
0: use this thing? I used to just um, boil me like on the that's what I did. And when I lived with roommates, it was like so funny. Like my guy roommate would be like, what are you doing? And I was like, do you really want to know?
1: Come <laughs> closer. Let me show you. With our shared <laughs> kitchen stuff. I don't know. No, that's <laughs> perfect. Hey, like we need to normalize all of those types of things. So okay. I love it. I love that you did that. So thanks for sharing about products. Mm-hmm. Now we are almost out of time. So I wanted to get you to share, how can people come and learn more about you and the work that you do if they want to connect with you?
0: Totally. Yeah. Come say Hey on Instagram. That's like my primary platform. Stephanie Adler wellness. Stephanie is with an F. And an IE at the end, there's like a hundred million ways to spell Stephanie. So <laughs> if you're curious, let me know. And yeah, that's the easiest way to find me right now. I also have a podcast called Wisdom of the Womb and we are very complimentary. So if you like the Well Woman podcast, you'll probably like my podcast. And it's just always so fun being here. Thanks so much. Mm, hon. You're
1: welcome, honey. Thank you. Now, final podcast question that I'm asking all of our guests is, what are your go-to products to support you when you are menstruating? So this doesn't have to be a menstrual product like a pad or a tampon or a cup, but like your things that support you when you're menstruating that you're like, oh, run out of this tea, got to make sure we stock that thing back up. What are your what are your go-tos?
0: Yeah, it's interesting having not had a period in over a year at this point, um mm-hmm. trying to like remember, even when I don't have cramps, I really love using a heating pad just to like keep this area warm. And like in Chinese medicine, it's like really important that we always have that space warm. And so very much like team heating pad or like hot water bottle under a blanket, kind of just like creating that cocoon. And then Other than that, lots of bone broth. Like I was always Mm -hmm. really just about like the warm, the fluids, things like that. I think I like used to switch back and forth between, you know, like red raspberry leaf tea or cramp bark or, you know, kind of whatever I was into at the time. But the, the constants were bone broth and a heating pad. Not like, again, if you're someone who doesn't have cramps still play around with the heating pad. It's just Mm like the experience of like keeping that, that body part warm
1: so good and something I've learned in pregnancy is that warm feet equals warm womb yeah and so like even just wearing socks to go with your hot water bottle on your belly like that's great so I've definitely adapted that love that thank you so much for sharing and thanks for being here Steph and just sharing so much beautiful wisdom and insight into your menstrual experience and becoming a menstruator and being a menstrual woman really really
0: appreciate it so thank you so much thank you what a great series I'm so glad you're doing this work